It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now here's your host, Ted Ramey. Here's Johnson into the Sharks end. He throws it from behind the net back to the point man. Minnesota deliberately setting up, taking time and getting shots. Just a control game here for the Wild. The Sharks trying to poke it free, can't do it. Johnson kept it in. Angled it off the boards to Bukestad. Nick Bukestad stick handles away from Carlson. Spins by him. Throws it across the rink and Evander Kane. Great defensive play. Stopped that pass. And Evander Kane's taking off. He's got Eric Carlson on the left. Gives him the puck. The shot. Star! Eric Carlson off the pass from Evander Kane. The Sharks tie it up 2-2 with 4.15 left in the second. All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Morning Tide. It is time for part two of our season review or season recap episode. We are going to hear the second part of that interview. You heard of Doug Wilson, the general manager of the Sharks last time. We've got another 10 minutes to go with him. But I wanted to start off by going over some of the special moments of the year. Like last time, we talked about Brent Burns, that game winner against Minnesota, and I believe game six of the year. Also talked about Patty breaking Gordie Howe's all-time games played record. I wanted to start out in this episode with Eric Carlson and the game that he won for the Sharks with two goals in regulation and another in the shootout to give the Sharks the win because it made you remember just how important Eric Carlson can be and what sort of an impact he can have when he is playing at his best. And unfortunately, we didn't see Eric Carlson at his best this past year. We saw flashes. We saw glimpses. That needs to be more of the constant from Eric Carlson. We need to see the Eric Carlson that does things like this. Can the Sharks keep it in? Leonard does. Tosses back behind the net. There's Gambrell to seal off the lane. Now he's trying to grab the puck behind the goal line. Poked it free to Donato. Donato, little nice little toe drag with it. Throws it back to the point to Eric Carlson. who shoots, and he scored! Eric Carlson snaps it in. It pinged off the end board post underneath the net and the Sharks have a 3-2 lead. So now the Sharks have yet another chance to win it in the shootout. Bottom of the inning. This is why I like going second because they can finish it off right here. And look who's on the ice. EK65. He has two goals in the game. Again, round eight. Eric Carlson can win it here if he can score. He moves in, he winds up, he blasts it, he scores! Eric Carlson winds up and unleashes an absolute bomb that gets by Talbot, and the Sharks win in the shootout. The final score, the Sharks four, the Wild three. What a dramatic ending. An absolute bomb. I love that call from Ruzi, but it was a great performance from Eric Carlson. It was one of the few highlights of the season. I mean, there were not a lot of feel-good moments and that was one of them because it reminded you of just how good Eric Carlson can be and it reminds you how important he is to the team. The Eric Carlson that we saw glimpses of 
needs to be a part of the Sharks' plan every night next year to take those big steps forward. Same thing with Brent Burns, Tomas Hurdle, Timo Meyer, Logan Couture. You talk about these core players of the Sharks and what they mean on a night-to-night basis. Bob Bugner was very clear all year long in talking about his best players needing to be his best players. And it goes no further than the power play. The Sharks had the second-to-worst power play ranking in the league when all was said and done. 14.1%. On the other end of the spectrum, you have teams like Edmonton and Carolina who are converting over a quarter of their chances. 25.6% for Carolina, 27.6% for Edmonton. Now, if you've listened to Doug Wilson talk about it in a little bit of his other offseason talks, he wants to be in the top half, which I that's, that's not a bad place to be. I mean, you don't have to have a great power play to get into the playoffs. The Vegas Golden Knights proved that this year, and I don't think they are a team that is lacking. But you know what they would be? That much better if they had a golden power play. Here's Sharks head coach Bob Bugner talking about that power play and how it specifically pertains to Brent Burns and Eric Carlson. Our power play uh, wasn't as successful as as uh, we wanted it this year, and you know, for a lot of those guys, especially those two, um, you, know, you know, a lot of their points come from the power play. So if your power play is in the bottom third of the league and uh, uh, it's not producing, that's that's going to have a major effect on their numbers. Um, you know, and I think you know, there's a lot of games where either you know we've been playing from behind or um, there hasn't been a lot of uh, you know some goals support some nights especially early on it's not been like that lately but uh you know so some of that personnel plays in too you know i i thought that uh, at times both of them looked like they were on top of their games and i think uh you know other times it's you know having a young lineup and and uh you know both guys i mean bernsey's playing with mario and and carly with niche and uh you know and and i think there's great chemistry on both those units uh but you know i took time to develop that um so moving forward you know coming back and hopefully our team's in a better position i think that that'll change and this is what Bugner had to say when he was asked to assess the season he saw from Eric Carlson. Yeah, we had a good talk the other day, and I, I think that him and Bernsey, Tommy Hurdle, all those guys know no matter what we do and what additions we make this summer in the offseason and, uh, you know, and and what position our team's in, we, we won't have any success unless those guys are our best players every night. And, uh, you know, Eric made a, a stride last summer in his training, and he came in and he was healthy, and he dealt with something during the season. But, you know, number one is, is you know, my thing with, with Eric, as we talked about, is I in order to play those high minutes, those 26, 27, 28 minutes, you know, becoming strong. Longer, as strong as he can get in the, in the few months in the offseason, work on strength, work on endurance and those things. But, uh, you know, coming back and just being a difference maker every night, because when he was on and he was at his best there, uh, when he came back from an injury, you could see there's that elite level. Um, and the struggle is trying to get that on a nightly basis. Carlson was asked about how much of his lack of production had to do with the lack of talent around him or the lack of experienced players, for lack of a better term, and how much of it was on him and not being up to his own capability as a player. No, we need to be better collectively as a, as a team, I think, to get back to where we want to get. I don't think that anybody, uh, you know, is going to be happy with the year that we've had individually or as a team. Uh, you know, that includes myself. It's an experience that uh, we've all gone through that, you know, I think that we've learned a lot and, and you can look at it in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, I, I, I myself feel good at uh, where I'm at in my career and uh, where I'm at with, uh, you know, my individual self. So uh, I don't have any uh, reason to have any concerns about my future or where, uh, you know, I need to get back to. Uh, I think I can can do that. It was a, a very difficult and different year, but I think that uh, myself and everybody else have, have learned a lot about, uh, you know, themselves and, and what what's needed moving forward. And the other part of this equation is Brent Burns. Where is he? Where is his game? Can he regain those levels of productivity 
that we've seen from him previously. The team we had was a little different back then. And, and you know, him and Pav had such a connection on, uh, and they worked at it every day. Um, you know, Burnsy low to high and cross grain shot and, and Pav getting a stick on it and this and that. I think, you know, personnel is different, but for Burnsy himself, uh, there's no doubt for me, he hasn't slowed down physically. Uh, the minutes he plays, the skating, the condition he's in, he's one of those guys who's just a bit of a freak of nature. He puts the work in, but he's just so, uh, so conditioned. So I don't worry about his feet going or his legs going on him. You know, for Burns, he is, uh, um, you know, I don't say his role's changing, but he's playing against top lines. And the number one priority for him is to be able to play against the other team's lines and be good defensively. And I think the offense is, you know, the days of 30 goals and, you know, the points he had his Norris Trophy winning year, I think uh, uh, may be a little different, but there's no reason that he can't uh, be one of the top 10 defensemen, scoring defensemen in this league, in my mind. And the Sharks don't need him to be a 30-goal scorer. I mean, it would be nice, certainly, but it's not what I'm looking for from Brent Burns. I think that when you talk about Burns and when you talk about Carlson, you're looking for that consistency from night to night, game to game. And it felt like you never really know which Burns or Carlson is going to show up. Burns offered this when talking about his own productivity as it pertains to this year and heading into next year. Yeah, I don't really, you know, I think you you try to contribute every game and um, you try to find ways to do it and, and be productive every game. You know, I think... It, it was obviously a little different just in the, you know, there's a lot of things that changed this year and, and uh, you know, the, just a little different, but, you know, I think you're always trying to get better and, and, and uh, do things well and, and produce and, but I don't really put certain uh, numbers or whatever. So yeah. Do I, why would I like to produce more? Obviously I think everybody would, even if you, if you ask Connor McDavid, if, if he'd rather have 120 points or if he'd rather done it in 40 games, he probably would have, you know? So I think that's why guys are, are here and, and, and in these spots is that they're never really happy with what's, what's happened in the past and they, and they want to get better. And, you know, I think in that instance, I'm no different. Burns and Carlson at the end of the day need to be better or need to be more consistent. However you want to define that. Same thing goes with Timo Meyer. He has the ability to be a game-changing player. He has the potential to be a 30, maybe even a 40-goal scorer, in my opinion. But it wasn't there this year. It wasn't there last year either, and both of those were due to a slow start in particular. So now you got to figure out how you maximize Timo Meyer. Here's Bugner. Yeah, I think Timo, um, you know, I never worried about his conditioning. He always comes in in, in very good shape, um, takes care of himself. So that's not an issue. You know, I think the last two seasons, really, um, you know, he had a slow start, you know, last season and, and you know, and a strong finish after, we, you know, the coaching change in the second half. I thought that, you know, he took off his game a little more. And the same thing with this season. I think he's gotten better as the season's gone on. And, uh, you know, again, a slow start. So, um that's important that, to, you know, figuring out a way and it's not because of his conditioning. It's not because of uh, um, any of those factors. Um, it's just about, you know, finding his game uh, earlier than he has the last couple of years. And that's going to make a huge difference. I mean, one for his confidence, two for our team. Um, he is a guy that's 24 years old. He's, you know, he's scored 30 goals in this league and he has the ability to score 30 again. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, figuring out his game. And that's what we talked about a lot uh, uh, in the last probably month or two of spending a lot of time with him and, and uh, you know, and, and deciding what kind of NHLer he's going to be and, and uh, consistency. You know, for me, he's going to be a powerful forward he's got to be on the body when he doesn't have the puck he's got to be in the piles uh, when he has the puck he's got to hold on to it um, not sling it away take more pucks to the net protect more pucks and and uh, uh, and just be harder to play against I think that for me is is what a power forward is and he's he's got the skill to go along with that I do recognize that it is relatively easy for me to sit here and say well 
this player needs to be better or that player needs to be better or these players need to be better. But there is a relative truth to that because when we look at Eric Carlson, when we look at Brent Burns, when we look at Timo Meyer, we see guys who didn't perform up to their expectations. I think Logan Couture was on pace to have that type of a season, but it didn't happen because of him getting banged up. And you got to figure out what you can do to protect your star players. And I think that getting less time on the ice for Eric Carlson and Brent Burns is probably something the Sharks are going to be looking at going forward. You want those guys to be fresher when they are out there on the ice. And you like to think that if you do that, you can build up that productivity. But so often the Sharks were playing from a deficit or playing for their lives or whatever it was that you felt that you couldn't get those guys off the ice. That you had to have your best talent out there as much as possible. And the thing is, these guys have the engines to go out there and give you quality ice time. The difference is, is it quality ice time or is it the ice time that they are capable of as superstar players? And that, to me, is where the difference is, especially with a player like Burns, who isn't getting any younger. An interesting question that was brought up to multiple players was on the idea of whether or not the team took a step forward or step backwards this past year. This is where Tomas Hurdle weighed in. Uh, I don't for sure. Uh, I don't think it like step back. You know, I think we prove it. We can play really good hockey. We just have to find a way. You know, play sixty minutes games. And I think we got like a couple of good guys. You know, they come here. You know, new guys and they play really well. Like Rudy. You know, Barbs. You know, last couple of games when he come and I think he's right there. You know, we got for sure some. Uh, you know, guys banged up and stuff like that. But you know, for sure tough season because you know we don't make the playoff. But I don't think it's the step back. And I think it's just. Maybe actually forward, you know, with young guys, you know, they get to the league, you get like every night almost six new guys, you know, in the lineup. So it's, you know, big task too. But I think they learn, you know, they know what is, they have to be ready for next season. You know, they, they know they have to work hard, you know, playing this league every night. So uh, I don't take it like, you know, step back. And Carlson, when asked the question, talked about it as something that needed to happen more than anything else. No, I think it was a necessary step that uh, needed to happen. I think that everybody early on, result based, kind of figured out where we were going. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of younger guys that it's going to need, you know, some experience. I think that they got that this year. I think that as tough as it's been throughout this whole season, both on and off the ice, I think that, uh, you know, we have uh, accomplished a lot. And uh, I think that it has us uh, excited for, uh, you know, next year. And Evander Kane, when he was asked about evaluating his year, and obviously he was the Sharks MVP and he had a great year, one of the best of his career, he talked about it in the same vein that Carlson did of it being kind of something that needed to happen and acknowledged that these young guys got their opportunity and now understand what they have to do to become better players in the NHL. I think from a team perspective, got an opportunity or a lot of these young guys got an opportunity to showcase themselves at this level, hopefully gain some experience and understand uh, what they need to work on and get better at to be a more productive player uh, for our group uh, next year. And hopefully that's a, a positive and pays off and I think we obviously with the new coaching staff got used to some of the new system stuff got a little bit more familiar with one another as a group and you know, I think at times uh, you could see our game look like we we want it to look and um, at other times obviously with with a lot of the lineup changes and um, maybe lack of cohesiveness as a group um, you know we struggled but hopefully next year uh, that doesn't happen as much and and, and we uh, we can be a much better team individually I think uh you know I had a good year um you know I'm really never satisfied I, I think I could have produced at, a, at an even higher clip I, I look back on some of the chances that I've had and some of the games where you know the finish wasn't there but at the same time I think uh you know I proved that uh you know I can be a top player in this league I am a top player in this league and you know I've uh it's my job to put the puck in the net and I've done that pretty consistently over uh the last number of years 
The one impression I did get from a lot of players is they acknowledged what this year was, an opportunity to take a step back, develop younger players, do the reset, as it was called by general manager Doug Wilson. But when rebuild was brought up to Vander Kane, he didn't like that at all and didn't think that was at all where the Sharks were headed. Nobody wants to go through a rebuild, I don't think. I know I don't have any interest in that. I know a lot of the guys on the team don't have any interest in that. And from my conversations with Doug and getting to know him over the last couple of years, he doesn't seem that the like the guy that, that wants to go through a rebuild either. And I think our group, we have a, a lot of self-belief and as individuals and as a group that... Uh, that's not going to be necessary. Like I said, I think, you know, we kind of use this season, especially towards the end, to give an opportunity for a lot of the younger players to gain some experience at this level um, and see what they can provide for our team. I think we're going to have a, a training camp next year um, and some exhibition games to, to really see if that pays off. And, and at the same time, I don't think we're going to be idle in the offseason in terms of adding to our team. So, you know, with all that being said, I, I feel that going into next year with the veteran guys that we have, our younger players hopefully being much better going into training camp next year and some additions you know there's no excuse why we shouldn't be uh not only in the playoffs but competing uh to win all right that's a nice setup for part two of my interview with sharks general manager doug wilson which we will get into on the other side you're on morning tide and now a moment of chill from coors light Light Mountain Cold Refreshment, made to chill after the short but cold beer run from hot tub to cabin. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide. We are now getting into part two of our interview with Sharks General Manager Doug Wilson. And I asked him at this point about established players, particularly a guy like Timo Meyer, what the team can do to get him going sooner in the 2021-2022 season. I look at some of the the established guys on the team, and I, I loved what I saw from Evander Kane this year. I thought Logan Couture, until he got banged up, and I know he would probably not say as much, but I think he definitely got banged up over the course of the season, was not able to keep his pace going. But I liked what we saw from him. The one guy that I look at in particular because of how much he can impact things and wasn't there till later in the season is Timo Meyer. And Timo Meyer, to me, I mean, when he is playing his best game, he literally impacts every every space of the ice when he's out there. You know how dangerous he is. We saw that incredible goal he scored in the second to last game, just driving towards the goal, bodying his way in. But that wasn't there till later in the season. So how how can we get that Timo to show up in game one of the season as opposed to game 53, 54, 55, 56? Well, again, I'll go through. And people forget Timo's only 24 years of age. He's still a young player. And I think uh, you're not playing um, and not being able to get back here um, and have a training camp. He's a big body. Both him and Thomas uh, Thomas Hurdle are extremely important members of this team. And um, there's no doubt we know what they're capable of. They've already shown us that they're 30-goal scorers. They've got big bodies. They're going to impact us. But I, I think it was, um, you know, the cycle was broken. And uh, sometimes for the bigger bodies, uh, it takes a little bit longer. Um, Tomas was coming back from an injury. Timo had been a little bit dinged up. Um, but they know what they're capable of. We know what they're capable of. I think they'll both come back and potentially have their best years ever. So I look at this year as maybe experiential learning and nothing motivates uh, any athlete, let alone a young guy, when they don't meet their own expectations. So I believe in both of them. And uh, uh, hopefully they use this time 
uh, to get back to where they, they want to get to. Timo's going to play in the World Championships. Tomash is going to rest his body because not only was he beat up a little bit, but he ended up having to deal with COVID also. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Um, in terms of priorities for the offseason, you've talked about replenishing. You know, I know you can't say too much about player acquisition, obviously, but is I mean, is there a ranking that you're looking at right now or there are positions where you're saying for this team to take that necessary jump, we have to do A, B, and C? Yeah, I mean, I'll always say this. Our best players have to be our best players. They do, you know, and, and they have that burning desire to do that. Then you got to look at the the puzzle pieces. And do we have to address our goaltending? Yes. You know, our goaltending is a, a key component of being successful in this league. Um, so we will explore all avenues to to address that area of it. I also think we should probably look at the 3C, the third center spot, because a lot of the minutes and, and tough minutes end up falling on Logan and, uh, and Tomas Hurdle. By having a 3C, it can do two things. It can allow younger players to maybe play at a higher level um, with a guy that can distribute the puck, win faceoffs, et cetera. But um, balancing the player usage in the minutes that some of your top have to play, uh, if you balance that out, I think it'll allow them to be more effective. And it's an important piece that I think that uh, uh, we'll be researching that extensively. Five on five was pretty good this year, you know, it's, uh, except for certain moments. But I felt like that was a that was a it was a point of strength. So was the penalty kill. How frustrating was it for you to watch the power play not be up to snuff? Uh, very frustrating, and, and for all of us because it's a really important uh, part of being successful in this league. Up to about five years ago, you know, to be successful, you had to have a top ten penalty killing unit. Now you have to have a top ten power play. We feel we have the ingredients. I mean, if you take a look at you know, one of our best moments when it comes to power play history was uh, game seven against Vegas. When we scored all those goals, look who was on the ice, right? It was Carlson, it was Burns, it was LeBanc, Couture, Hurdle, Meyer, um, and Kane. You know, uh, Jumbo told the coach to leave those guys out there. Uh, Pavs had got hurt, Patty Marlowe wasn't here, and those guys showed us what they're capable of. Um, we have to work on a few details on it. We know we have the, uh, the talent and the ingredients to do it, but you know, we've, we've got a, uh, we've got some plans or some adjustments made at the end of the year. Strategically, uh, the coaches are working on it, but there's no reason why we can't have one of the top power plays uh, in this league. Historically we have, um, but it wasn't where it needed to be this year. There's no doubt. But it must please you that for the last two years, the penalty kill has been, it's been one of the better units in the NHL. I mean, they were, a couple of times during the season where it wasn't, but for the most part, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, let's, you know, bare knuckle down, let's make this work. And that's, I guess that speaks to the culture too, right? Well, penalty killing is details and commitment to those details, you know, blocking shots, sticks in the right lanes and things like that. Um, It is, you know, that's, uh, and we have a lot of guys that are capable of penalty killing. You want that to bleed into your five on five also. Uh, the consistency and details in your game is often indicated by how you are as a penalty killing team. Uh, so that's, um, that's a big part of, you know, special teams is a big component in this league. Um, getting that consistency across the board. You know, we talked about, there was a, a time frame this year, probably game 21 to 40, where we played really well. We played well against good teams, mm-hmm. the attention to detail that was uh, needed to do that. Uh, I take a look at a couple of games at the end of the year where we played against Colorado. Uh, and those were important games for Colorado because they were trying to uh, clinch first place in the President's Trophy. We came in and we played really well. And and the, the attention to detail by our whole group was there. 
that's something that we have to do going forward on a consistent basis. It's, uh, it's buy-in, it's, it's understanding how important that is. And, uh, you know, those are things I know our coaches are focusing on right now and when talking about exit interviews, too. It's hard to say whether or not you accomplished everything you wanted to this year, and that's a much longer conversation. But do you feel that you are positioned well within the frame of your overall plan from this year going into next year? Yeah, I mean, but there's pain involved. I mean, this is, uh, you know, we just do not accept missing the playoffs. We don't, and we don't apologize for that. But we were pretty clear on, on, on really the four things that we said that, uh, we needed to adhere to. We wanted, with our guys having 10 and a half months off, not having training camp, we really wanted a lot of our veterans to have the opportunity to reestablish their game. Um, so that took place. Some did better than others, but getting back to that cycle this summer, I think will allow that to take place. Uh, we wanted to restore the culture within the room. We think we did a, a very good job in, in addressing that. We certainly replenished our system with the, the nine picks last year and the eight or nine or 10 picks in this upcoming draft, plus adding Barabanov and Kroma. Um, we wanted to integrate younger players in and give them the opportunity. We tried to navigate that whole journey while getting through a pandemic with not only being on the road, but really strict protocols in our, in our community, which we adhered to. Um, so the things that we said we were going to do, and we didn't waver from our plan, giving up those picks or young players just to have short-term gains. So we stuck to what our plan was. Uh, you can agree with it or disagree with it. Um, I feel we're now in a position to do the things that we need this summer to get us where we want to get back to next September. So it starts with the draft. We're positioned extremely well for the expansion draft. There'll be opportunities for us to add a couple of players in those key positions that we just talked about. So now it's about what we do this summer. And uh, uh, there is a lot of work. There's a lot of uh, planning to get done. And uh, uh, we're focused in on doing that right now. Well, Doug, I appreciate your time as always. I will tell you that 56 games of Sharks hockey was a nice return, but not nearly enough. And I know we're all looking forward to uh, the start of next season, a normal training camp. And let's just hope that, you know, I can actually stand next to you in person at SAP Center next year, because that's, we, we all want that sense of normalcy, if nothing else. Well, we do. And, and getting fans back in our building, I mean, the impact it has on our team in particular, especially when they've been on the road so much, uh, we miss our fans. I wish in some ways I could press a button and it would be September already, but I know how much work we have to do between now and then. So I'm glad we have this time to, to address those things. Well, I won't take any more of your time, Doug. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. All right. Great. Thank you. So good stuff there with the general manager of the Sharks, Doug Wilson. I mean, I am of the same mind too. I wish I could push a button and get us immediately into September to see what exactly this team has done and what they are setting themselves up for in terms of the upcoming season. I mean, we've heard him talking about the need for a third line center. We've heard him talk about the need for improved goaltending and it's really interesting to look at Martin Jones because I still feel like there is something there, like there is a goalie that is buried underneath the baggage that he's been dealing with for the last couple of years. And, you know, the contract is what it is. I don't know if they're going to try and salvage it or what, but I thought that Bob Bugner, when talking about Jones, gave a pretty interesting answer. Yeah, we talked yesterday about just, uh, you know, inconsistency, uh, um, you, you know, our lack of there. Uh, it's it's for us, it's about, uh, you know, to be a legit number one guy in this league. Um, you know, you're not going to have, uh, um, you got to give your chance to team to win every night. And, you know, there's nights that he did that. And, uh, you know, he finished with a 15 and 13 record, I believe, somewhere in that area. And yeah, his numbers weren't as high as they needed to be. But um, it's, it's, the, it's the games where, you know, instead of being a five out of five on a great night and an average night, 
nights a three out of five, there's too many ones and twos mixed in there. You know, and we talked about that and he understands that he takes ownership for it. Uh, there's nights we didn't play great in front of him as well. So this is not just on Jonesy, but, uh, you know, reestablishing his game to be, uh, to be the guy that, to, to know what Martin Jones you're getting um, every night. That's basically what we talked about. And uh, um, when Doobie was here, I thought that they uh, worked well with each other and they fed off each other and the competition was good. And I think, you know, maybe a little bit human instinct, he let his guard down after that. And, uh, um, you know, and, and wasn't as good after Doobie left. And uh, that was a, that was something that he needs to come back in and he did do a really good job. I'll give him a lot of credit. He worked on his conditioning. He worked on his strength and he come in way better shape last year. Um, I told him that's still another level there that we'd like to see them get to, but uh, um, he put the time in, he put the work in and not for lack of effort or anything like that. He's a great teammate, very coachable, but uh, um, yeah, it just like some of the other guys that didn't have the seasons they wanted. It's uh, um, you know, you got to look in the mirror a little bit after the season and, uh, and, and we all got to do that moving forward. And I would hope the guys are looking in the mirror, recognizing their own deficiencies, what they did well, what they did not do well, where they need to improve. The need for self-reflection is important right now, and I think that goes for an analyst like us when looking to the team. It goes for the coaching staff. It goes for all the players looking at their individual performances. They all know they need to be better. But what gives me confidence is knowing what these players are capable of. It's not just that they had a bad season. It's that we know they can be better. It's that we know they have more to offer. And sure, a guy like Burns is not getting any younger, but I still think he can perform better than what he did this year. Eric Carlson still has the potential to be in the prime of his career. He didn't perform like it this year, but he still has that potential. And we do have that potential combined with changes and acquisitions in the offseason, which it sounds like the Sharks are going to do. You have the potential to have a better team. You have the potential to have a better year. You have the potential to get into the playoffs and really make deadline trades if you are one of those contending teams to make yourself that much better. The dynamic can change very quickly. And the hope here and the feeling here is that this last year was a necessary step, the reset that we heard Doug Wilson talk about, and that now the Sharks will be able to make those next necessary steps to be a contending team once again. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. We will be back with more episodes here over the offseason. I'm sure there's going to be stuff coming up with the draft, stuff coming up with free agency, a lot of stuff to get into, and we will be here with you on Morning Tide. That wraps it up for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.